Hello, and welcome to the Hasta La Visa Baby podcast, a deep dive into U.S. immigration law and its relationship to fictitious characters in television and film. My name is Shai Dayan. I am an immigration attorney with Gibney, Anthony, and Flaherty, and I'm based in Los Angeles, California. And joining me today, as he does for every episode, he's also an immigration attorney. He's also with Gibney, Anthony, and Flaherty, but he's based in New York, and he's currently being recruited as an enforcer by all five families. It's Mr. Roderick Potts. Hey, hey, Shai, how's it going? I'm doing great. How are you today? I'm all right. Good to see you again. Good to be here with you. Actually, I have to admit, I really am against pushing the clocks back. I I love daylight savings and I'm not happy with this anti-daylight savings. It's it doesn't make me happy. Standard standard time doesn't work for you. No, I don't like standard time. I want that extra hour of sunshine at the end of the day. Who needs it in the morning? I, I have trouble getting out of bed when it's dark like that, though. It's better to stay up late, Rod, and have the sun at night. Trust me. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're going to get less and less of it for the next month or so. Uh, well, um, any any um, plans for Thanksgiving, Rod? It's almost Thanksgiving. Yeah. Yeah. Going going to up to Massachusetts to visit my mom. Oh, that's cute. So Yeah, that'll be, that'll be nice. How about you? Oh, well, I was inspired by the White Lotus. So actually, for real, my wife and I are going to Hawaii. For, really? Yeah, we are. Wow. That's exciting. Yeah. Yeah, cool. it's, it's uh, I, I can't reveal which island we're going to because I don't want TMZ following me. Sure. But it is one of the eight islands that we're going to. There you go. Wow. Yeah. So that's that's a good hint. They, they might track it. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll see what happens. But uh, <laughs> yes, looking forward to it. That um, sounds great. It's good to be back here again uh, on this podcast with you. And uh, let's get right down to business, shall we? Let's do it. All right. So everybody, first-time listeners, long-time listeners, and people in between, what we do here is every episode, we focus on a particular movie or television show that features a foreign national character living in the U.S. We are going to do a deep dive into the movie or television show, focusing on the specific foreign national character. We are going to use our immigration detective skills to figure out what the character's U.S. visa status may have been what problems or issues the character may have faced while living in the U.S., and we are also going to talk about a hypothetical consultation if the character came to us to ask for advice. And we're going to imagine that all the characters we talk about, they're living in a 2021 U.S. immigration world. So you know, Rod, what we're trying to do. We're just trying to spice up immigration, make it fun, make it relatable, and mm-hmm. some some people say we're doing that. Some, some we're getting some credit. Sure. Yeah, we love the credits, and <laughs> and uh, we're going to talk about a show today that got tons of credit. Uh, there might not mm-hmm. be a show that has gotten more credit than this show. Uh, it's a show that really needs little introduction. It's consistently ranked as one of the greatest shows ever ever made. It's The Sopranos. So Rod, why don't you give us everything we need to know? about this masterpiece happy to uh so the sopranos debuted back on january 10th 1999 and they're in for six seasons on hbo um it was an italian-american drama that crime drama that focused on a northern new jersey mafia family led by its crime boss tony soprano um different from other mafia related movies and TV shows, uh, the Sopranos was about more than just sort of crime and violence and stuff like that. It, it, 
it, it explored a lot of different themes, including family strife, mental health, drug addiction, morality, class, culture, sexuality. Uh, it was a pretty wide ranging uh, program. Uh, in particular, though, it dove into the psyche and emotional challenges of the protagonist, Tony, uh, as he was both a mob boss and a family man, uh, you know, raising two children in the suburbs of New Jersey and dealing with severe parental and marital issues. Um, the show featured an ensemble cast comprised of Tony's family members, uh, his mafia colleagues, some mafia rivals, law enforcement, uh, sort of other sectors of society, as well as mental health professionals. Um, the series finale aired on the 10th of June, 2007, and included kind of an open ending, uh, leaving viewers kind of perplexed as to what ever happened to Tony Soprano. And um, still to this day, it's an it's, it's, it's issue that's debated by, uh, by fans of the show. Yeah, Rod, did you watch the show when it was actually airing um, in real time, or is this a show that you revisited after it, it finished airing? I did watch it when it was on in real time. And I, re I remember at the time, it was there were a lot of uh, articles written at the time, like, is The Sopranos good enough to justify subscribing to HBO? You know, wow. It was, it, it was the, you know, HBO is kind of like a powerhouse now of original programming, but it was, it was before the Sopranos, it wasn't really known as that. So the Sopranos was the real first show that, that, that yeah. HBO in the map like that. I remember at the time that this was the show that people started, you know, HBO was something that people used to go to, to watch old movies, mm -hmm. you know, but then all of a sudden the Sopranos comes out and it's a powerhouse when it comes to original content. So, yeah. Did you did you watch it in its original run? Or did you I actually it saw it a, a few years after it ran. So once I was able oh, okay. to afford HBO, I was <laughs> able to start to uh, to watch The Sopranos, and and I and yeah, I loved it. There's um, let me let me talk about some interesting facts that I dug up about Absolutely. The Sopranos. Yeah. I know you 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 go wild for this kind of stuff. I I love these. I love I love the research. Yeah, yeah. The um, the show was written and created by David Chase, and he initially conceived the story as a movie focusing on a mobster in therapy having problems with his mother. Um, several networks, including Fox, passed on the series' conception, and then HBO greenlit it in December of 1997. Uh, get this, the series had, listen to this, Rod, 27 actors in common with the 1990 Martin Scorsese gangster film Goodfellas. Really? That's, that, that's I mean... I both surprising and not, I guess, at the same time. It's a remarkable number, though. 20, that's a lot. That's like a lot. half the cast of, of Goodfellas appeared I've, in The Sopranos I, at some I, point. Maybe? I've, I've barely spoken to 27 people in the last year. I mean, it's pretty, <laughs> it's pretty incredible. Um, speaking of, you know, the awards, this show won a lot of awards. The Sopranos won 21 Primetime Emmy Awards and five Golden Globe Awards. Well earned. Um, it did get a lot of credit. The uh, Writers Guild of America, TV Guide, and Rolling Stone magazine have all at different times labeled The Sopranos as the greatest television show ever made. And finally, you know, even notoriously harsh critics, uh, in particular, Triumph the Insult Comic Dog, who is very well regarded, um, he, even he had high praise for the show. Listen to me. The Sopranos is the best, as everyone knows, show on television. Yes. So, you know, <laughs> I mean, if, if, if Triumph the Insult Comic Dog gives it his badge of approval, then I don't know what else there is to say. You know, it's good. You know, it's good. So who on The Sopranos was 
actually needed um, a visa. So let's talk about our character of focus today. Today, we're going to talk about a character known as Furio Junta, and he was played by an Italian actor named Federico Castelluccio. How did I do there? I think you did pretty well. Thank you. Thank I, I you. I think you did all right. I mean, I, I'm sure we'll get emails, but, but I, you know, I, I think you did fine. Hey, I'm not, Ital uh, I'm not Italian. I gave it a try. So there you Rod, go. Hey. can you tell us everything we need to know about the man, the legend, Furio? Yeah. So Furio was uh, an integral character of the show and appeared uh, from seasons two through four. He was an Italian national, as you said, um, born and raised in Naples, and he spoke English, uh, unlike many of the other people in the Naples uh, contingent, uh, and he was a business contact of Tony's crime family. Um, during a trip to Naples um, by Tony to carry out some mafia business, he negotiated with the crime family that Furio uh, would come to the United States and work in Tony's crew. Uh, Furio was tall, had long, silky hair, was a flamboyant dresser, and came off as a, a gentle and tender man, fond of children, charming to the ladies. Uh, he seemed like, in many scenes, he seemed like a really nice guy. However, he was uh, pretty brutal and extremely violent in his dealings with foes, uh, showing no hesitancy or reluctance at all to assault anybody, really, uh, his rivals, women, children. Uh, you know, he was a pretty, pretty aggressive guy. Uh, once Furio was in the U.S., Tony arranged with his longtime friend uh, and uh, restaurant owner, Chef Artie Bucco, uh, to hire Furio into his restaurant staff as a, pre as a pretense uh, for, a, for a work visa. I haven't told anybody yet, but he's coming over. I thought maybe you could hire him, you know, help me out with the immigration. Kitchen's pretty packed, Tony. I can barely pay myself. Did I ask you to pay him? I'll take care of money. Why does he want to come here? He's got a job over there. You know what? Either do me the favor or not. So throughout his tenure on the show, uh, Furio and Tony's wife, Carmela, develop uh, a mutual admiration for one another. Uh, Furio becomes infatuated with Carmela, and uh, Carmela really gets, uh, you know, becomes infatuated with Furio as well and fantasizes about him pretty extensively. Can I tell you something, Tony? Don't pretend like I got a choice. The last year, I have been dreaming and fantasizing and in love with Furio. <laughs> Every morning when he'd come to pick you up, I would look forward to it all night long in bed next to you. Those nights when you were actually in the bed. And he would ring the doorbell. I felt like my heart would come out of my chest. He would smile, and we'd talk, and then you would come down the stairs. And I felt probably like someone who was terminally ill, and somehow they managed to forget it for a minute. And then it all comes back. Some deep words from Carm there about, about Furio. Mm -hmm. uh, <clears throat> so uh, I'm, I'm sure I take it she didn't really uh, know what an aggressive enforcer he was. <laughs> so... Um, but so during during Furio's run, he becomes um, increasingly disgusted with Tony's mistreatment of Carmela, um, and even comes close to killing Tony uh, at one point. Uh, his love for Carmela, uh, you know, was in conflict, obviously, with his loyalty to his mafia values. Um, you know, they can't coexist. So Furio decided to abandon Tony's crime family and return to Italy, and he isn't seen uh, or heard from again for the remainder of the show. A real interesting character on the show. Uh, he brought some comedy. He brought some violence. He, he kind of did it all. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and thanks for, um, you know, sparing no details. I was happy to learn from you that he did have not just long dark hair, but silky long dark silky, hair. Long, silky so dark thank you hair. for, yeah. thank you for explaining that. Uh, well, you know, as we, a reminder. We, try to, we try to be accurate here at, at HLVB. If, if nothing else, we try to be accurate. We try to be. No one <laughs> says we are, but we try to be. So Rod, Rod, yeah. you know, I, I think there's no doubt about it. You know, Furio was born and raised in Italy. <clears throat> Mm-hmm. The man had no American roots, nope. and and therefore he would have needed a U.S. visa in order to settle in New Jersey and work with Tony and his crew. Mm-hmm. But but Rod, I don't know if you know this, but there's no such thing as a, a mafia visa. So I know this, and you know this. Furthermore, as we heard in the uh, in, in the clip previously, Tony knew this. Yeah, you there know, there is no mafia visa. Let me tell you something about Tony. Uh, the man might not have cared about uh, criminal law, but if there's one set of laws he did care about, it was immigration because yes. he, he wanted to do this the right way. He went to Artie and he asked Artie to fix his immigration status. So in a rare, yeah, in a rare turn for, for, for a character in one of these shows and TV, you know, shows or movies that we address. Yeah, finally, is, finally, somebody cares. It's somebody great. cares. Somebody cares. Tony Soprano doesn't care about much, but he does care about immigration. Good to know. Yeah, right. So, so as I alluded to, in season two, episode five, we see Tony ask his friend Artie if he could find a spot for Furio at the restaurant so that it would take care of his immigration issues. Mm-hmm. Furio, he, he, he's somewhat of a, of a master cheesemaker, apparently. He mm-hmm. ends up joining the restaurant staff. But the only thing we ever do that we ever see him do in the restaurant is he's making mozzarella while smoking a cigarette. Yeah. And dropping ashes into the bowl. <laughs> into the bowl. Making the, yeah. Yeah. That's why it tastes so good, I'm sure. <laughs> so so the question I have for for you, or the question for us, Rod, is is you know, what kind of visas exist for, for restaurant workers? What 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 kind of rest what kind of visas are we talking about here? So um, you know, there there is no specific restaurant worker visa. There's not a simple restaurant worker visa. So, you know, we'd have to find uh, another another kind of uh, visa to use. And, you know, in our talking about this and our sort of thinking about this, we thought, well, maybe Artie could bring him in as a trainee yes. for, a, for, for a period of time. So there are a couple of different kinds of trainee visas, but the trainee visa that we're going to look at is the H3 right now. Um, there are, you know, there's the, the J, which we've talked about in a previous episode, also provides for, J, for trainees. And, you know, sometimes businesses will, will bring individuals over. But for this, we're going to talk about the H3 trainee visa, which uh, allows a trainee in any field of endeavor of endeavor other than graduate medical education um, that is not it allows for training that is not available in the uh, in the non-citizens home country. An H3 trainee must be invited by an individual or organization for the purposes of receiving training in any field. The H3 trainee classification is not intended for U.S. employment. It's designed to provide a non-citizen with job-related training for work that will ultimately be performed outside the United States. That's uh, an interesting type of visa. Uh, it, it's pretty broad. Uh, it's a trainee visa. And, um, you know, it's it requires an organization to sponsor a trainee to bring that trainee to the United States. So, Rod, uh, I have a second question for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are the criteria for the United States organization to sponsor someone for an H-3 trainee visa. So a sponsoring organization would need to prove the following. Uh, The proposed training is not available in the foreign national's native country. 
the foreign national will not be placed in a role which is in the normal operation of the business in which the U.S. citizens and residents are regularly employed. Uh, the foreign national will not engage in productive employment unless the employment is incidental and necessary to the training. And four, the training will benefit the foreign national in pursuing a career outside the United States. Some serious stuff right there. Um, and, and you know, in a lot of other visa categories that we've covered, Rod, the, the sponsored mm. foreign national, that person must meet certain criteria. For instance, we've talked about needing a degree, needing specialized mm -hmm. knowledge, having a certain amount of money or capital to qualify for the visa. But in the trainee situation, what does the sponsored foreign national have to bring to the table? Does the foreign national have to have something special to become an H3 trainee? The sponsored foreign national will have major challenges qualifying for the visa if he or she has criminal issues or has previously violated a period of stay in the U.S. But with the H3 trainee program, the foreign national really doesn't have to prove much in terms of accomplishments or background. Um, most of the burden lies with the sponsoring organization. And, um, and in fact, generally, when I've worked on these H3s, um, when the immigration service has indicated that they, they don't like when people are highly trained and highly qualified, you know, the, the purpose of the H3 really is for people who are at the beginning of their uh, professional journey or, 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 you know, employment journey or careers. So yeah, um, really yeah, so, no specific uh, requirements at all on the part of the, the individual other than they have to, you know, sort of meet some basic qualifications, you know? Right. So in this situation, unlike a lot of visas we've talked about, the, the, the less that the um, trainee brings to the table, as far as background and education and, and experience is concerned, maybe the better. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Um, so Rod, you, you, the employer identifies a trainee. How does the sponsoring organization apply on behalf of that trainee? So the U.S. employer has to file a petition for H-3 classification with the U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services. Uh, the petition has to include a statement detailing all aspects of the program, including uh, the type of training, the structure of the training, the number of hours uh, of, the, of the training, you know, who's going to conduct the trainings. Um, specific reasons why the training can't be obtained in the foreign nationals home country, uh, as well as the source of any remuneration that's going to be uh, paid to the trainee. So you can't just say, I've got a trainee here, approve it. You have to actually prove all of these elements and you have to give a lot of details to, to USCIS. Yeah. Yeah. You, you can't just say, we're going to bring this person in and train him or her. You have to, you have to have a, basically a program ready to go. You have to, to show that you have a real training program. Right, right, and and demonstrate what the individual is going to learn and 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 how. A, a lot of these companies that sponsor trainees, they have a program in place where they they do multiple trainees a year, so they've got it in place. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Fully complete with stuff like classroom style instruction and everything like that. Right. Right. And and if the training program is approved, how long can the particular trainee stay in the United States? So trainees are allowed to stay in the U.S. for up to two years. And how about family members? Let's say they have a wife or they have kids under 21. Can they come too? Yes, they can bring their, can bring spouses and, and children. I love a family-friendly visa. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, all right. Now, we've, we've got down, I think I understand what an H3 trainee visa is. And now we have to uh, determine whether or not Furio could have qualified for the H3 trainee visa. So... Um, let's start off with this. Rod, in your professional opinion, as an immigration attorney, 
Do you think it's possible that Furio had an H3 trainee visa? So there's always an argument to be made. Uh, uh, the sign in, of a good lawyer. That's right. Uh, in this case, though, I think there would have been several roadblocks in the way. Um, you know, arguments could probably be made that Furio, you know, you could, you could probably make the argument that Furio is not going to be placed in the normal operations and that he would not displace U.S. workers. He'd only engage in unproductive employment necessary to the training and that the, the training would ultimately, um, <clears throat> you know, and that the training would ultimately benefit uh, him in a, in a career outside the United States. Right. Uh, the restaurant would have had to prove the training was not available for Furio in Italy. Uh, a little bit harder. <laughs> Artie's yeah, restaurant is an Italian restaurant. That's something that's so, going to be difficult, right? Yeah. I mean, they, I mean, they brought him over. I mean, the, the ostensive reason is because he's already an expert cheesemaker. So right there, like we discussed, it doesn't really jibe well with the the H3. Yeah. I mean, maybe if Furio was going to, you know, be a trainee at a Chinese restaurant, you could say that, you know, that wasn't mm. readily available in Italy, but he's coming to the United States to train in an Italian restaurant. He lives in Italy. He's Italian. Difficult, not impossible, but difficult. Yeah, yeah. So he was, uh, you know, Furio. The reason why he was brought over was ostensibly he was supposed to be an expert cheesemaker. So if he already held the skills, like we were discussing, um, you know, it's not, it's not, it's not clear whether an H three would really be the best, uh, the best route for them uh, in this, in this, in this instance. But you know, we probably would be able to make an argument that there'd be something about Artie's restaurant, the techniques that they use, that he would not be able to learn in Italy, and that's the reason for the training. Yeah, possibly, possibly. Yeah, yeah. we'd have, we'd, we'd have, we would have to explore that with them. My my biggest concern with Furio is not necessarily the training aspect. I think we could probably make a good argument for the training. What I'm concerned about is that this is a man who's in the mob in Italy. Uh, a lot of mob members have criminal records. So you know, if Furio had a criminal record, it would be highly unlikely he would ever get a visa to come to the U.S. But he did. Agreed. He did. Yeah, he, he was there. He, he apparently did get a visa. And, you know, there, there is that scene in the episode where um, in the second season where Furio is introduced to the show where he he, he gets in an altercation in public and the oh, police yeah. while the police are there when the fight breaks out and they just drive away. So he, it, it's while we assume he probably had some sort of record, uh, it's possible he didn't. You know, he, he police may have been, uh, you know, on the take as they in say. his so, pocket, in his yeah. pocket. Mm -hmm. Yeah. On the payroll. Um, the, the final issue that I see also is that, and this is a nitpick, but you know, in the television show, Furio comes to the United States, and then once he's in the United States, then they start to worry about his immigration status. In real life, they probably would have dealt with his immigration status before he came to the United States. They would have um, had the H three ready for him to go, so we can come into the United States as an H three. So, mm. but Agreed. you know what? Congrats to David Chase and um, the character of Tony Soprano for giving a damn about immigration. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. That's first, it's, first show that actually addresses it. Yeah. The first show where, where they actually think about it. So well, yeah. actually in that 70s show, they did. They did have the whole immigration thing with Fez and getting married for a green card. But whatever. Yeah, you know whatever. what I mean? You know yeah. what I mean, Rod? You know, the mafia organized crime. Mm. Uh, Americans in particular are fascinated with the subject. So many television shows, so many movies over the years. Mm -hmm. have focused on organized crime, and in particular, the Italian mafia. Um, there's a never-ending abundance of uh, IP out there when it comes to the mafia and organized crime. Sure. So, Rod, you and I know that the, the best um, you know, mafia organized crime movies of all time are, of course, The Godfather 1 and 2 and, mm -hmm. Good, and Goodfellas. It's, yeah, it's, not, it's, yeah. it's not even debatable. Yeah, those are, I mean, th those are the gold standard for, for, that, for that genre. So, so 
yeah, I mean, I wanted to talk to you about, you know, what your favorite and my favorite organized crime television shows and movies are. But let's eliminate Goodfellas and The Godfather 1 and 2. That's just too easy. Sure. So so <clears throat> let me can I start out with mine? Let me give Go. you we'll, we'll each do two. How is that? Sounds good. Go right ahead. All right. So the first, uh, you know, organized crime movie that I love and that I want to talk about is a movie called Donnie Brasco. And, um, you know, Donnie Brasco, right, Rod? Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I saw it. It's a late 90s uh, mafia movie featuring Al Pacino as a made man and uh, Johnny Depp as an undercover police officer who has to infiltrate the New York mob. Um, It's back when Johnny Depp was um, not full Keith Richards. He still was slick. He looked he looked good. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it was a great performance by Pacino. Great performance by Johnny Depp. A uh, real exhilarating movie. Big fan of it. Yeah, it was a great. It was a great movie. I remember. I remember seeing it when it came out. It's a. That's a good mafia movie right there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, it's all about you know New York in the seventies and then mm-hmm. and, and the, the 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 mafia life. Uh, yeah. What about you, Rod? You have uh you have a a good. Now the last time I asked you to talk about something that you loved, you know, you told me OK Cola. So I'm hoping yeah. that you've got something better for me than OK Cola. Well, yeah, sure. So my, you know, I, I do love, uh, I do love the, you know, I, I, I do love mafia movies and mafia TV shows also. Uh, mm. the, for me, the Godfather movies, it doesn't get any better than those, but, but, uh, there's a lot of other movies that I, that I like, uh, just as much. Uh, you know, I'm going to start off with a comedy. I'm going to say, uh, the movie Johnny Dangerously starring Michael Keaton. You ever heard of this? Look at you, Rod. You're always going to zig when I zag. Mm-hmm. It's a 1980s comedy. It's kind of a madcap zany sort of a movie i loved it when i was a kid um i i it's just it's it's got i think joe piscopo was in it it's uh it's it's i'm not gonna say it's a great movie but (laughs) but it was it it was you know it was like i think it was when i was a little kid it was i think like the first comedic treatment of this kind of genre that i i just i really took to it i really loved it you know you're a funny guy and you like to have fun so i i'm not surprised yeah that, that you choose such you know an uplifting comedy when i choose something so dark the shoe fits yeah <laughs> but <laughs> um i'm gonna for my second choice i'm gonna go with a television show and it's gonna be a show that's focused on organized crime that has nothing to do with um the italian mafia mm-hmm. it is a show that um originally aired on the bbc and now airs on netflix and it's called peaky blinders oh uh, yeah I'm, I'm i know it by name only i haven't seen it let me set the stage for you rod mm. if you are at all interested in post-World War I organized crime in Birmingham, England, perpetrated by a bunch of Irish travelers. This is the show for you. <laughs> it features Cillian Murphy and Tom Hardy. I, need I say anything else? It's a great show. It's dark. It's violent. Um, it was actually introduced to me by Gibney Anthony and Flaherty partner, Bob Tracy. Shout, oh, out, really? to Bob, shout out to Bob right. Tracy. Oh, okay. Yeah, when we were in All New right, York, right. he used to be down the hall for me. He always used to come to my office and give me advice. And he told me, "Shy, see Peaky Blinders. And I said, okay, Bob, and I did. Ah, all right. Well, great. Well, uh, you know, thanks thanks to Bob Tracy for providing, uh, you know, the, that most important uh, nugget there. I've never seen it, but uh, I'll give it a chance. Give, it, give a, it a chance. Give it a go. Give it a go. Give it a go. Um, what's your time. number two, Rod? What's your so number I, two? I think my number, and this isn't this isn't really like, my number one and number two favorite mafia things, but these are ones that popped into my mind that I liked. Uh, one movie that I loved and could watch over and over and over again when I was a kid 
Uh, I saw it last time I saw it was probably a couple of years ago. I still enjoyed it is um, the untouchables. Oh, sure. Sure. Um, Elliot Ness. And I, I, yeah, Elliot Ness versus Al Capone. It's got Sean Connery in it. Um, Andy Garcia, uh, you know, Kevin Costner plays Elliot Ness. I, I, again, not a great movie, but a very, not the best movie, but a very enjoyable film. I could watch that over and over again. You are the, the a true hipster living in Brooklyn, Rod, going in different directions. <laughs> Look at you. Yeah. <laughs> Both it. movies, I think, set in Chicago, though. So there you have it. You're giving love to all the cities. Yeah. All of them. Yeah. I went, I went, you know, I live in New York, but I went non-New York for my, for my two mafia. For my you're, show, two mafia. You're, you're showing a lot of growth, Rod. A lot of growth. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, 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 I'm working on it. I'm so doing every, the work. As everybody out there. Those are our, our uh, opinions. Those are our recommendations. Um, you know, we know what we're talking about. So uh, give them, give them a try. We think we do. All right. Now is the part of the podcast where people just they go crazy for people just they just scream and they shout. It's like it's like the a Be- <laughs> it's like a Beatles concert in the 60s. When we talk sure. about when we talk about our hypothetical consultation with a character from the show. Right. The, the people can't stop uh, chanting our names. Sure. So so everybody put your signs up and get ready because we're going to do a consultation. But normally we would do a consultation with our our, our character of focus. But in this situation, I thought that what we should do is we should, you know, focus on the fact that it's not just about the foreign national, but it's also about the organization who's doing the sponsoring. So instead of having a consultation with Furio, let's have a consultation with everybody's favorite chef and restaurateur, Artie Bucco, the owner owner of Vesuvio. Mm -hmm. You like Artie Bucco? Yeah, I, I, I was, I, I liked Artie Bucco in the show, I and mean, he was, he was kind of like the goofy, goofy, self-loathing you know, type. Yeah, they really took advantage of him. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. That was, it, he was kind of a, you know, the, they picked he was on kind him. of a shl- a schlemiel kind a of schlemiel. A character. He was know, a schlemiel. You know, it's a good way to uh, to describe yeah. an Italian chef, a schlemiel. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so here's the situation. Let me set the stage. After Tony, you know, goes up to Artie in the restaurant and he says that he wants Artie to help out with the immigration for Furio, Artie, you know, he, he, he's concerned. He doesn't know what to do. He gets on the phone uh, with one of his um, friends who is uh, a connection of yours. And he says, I know who you should call. Call my, my guy, Rod. Yep. He calls you up, Rod, because you can't do a consultation without me. It doesn't work like that. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> We go to meet Artie at Vesuvio. He he serves us some of that quail that he's been trying out, and we're yep. going to have a consultation with him, right? We're going to mm-hmm. talk to him. So the first thing we got to talk <laughs> to him about is the seriousness of sponsoring somebody for a H-3 trainee visa. Mm-hmm. So the first thing I would tell him is like, listen, Artie, he's going to actually have to be in your restaurant doing a trainee program. This can't just be a pretense for a visa. Um, if he's not actually performing in the training program, it could lead to some serious consequences, not just for you, but for Furio as well. Wouldn't you mm-hmm. agree? Yeah, definitely. Because from time to time, Rod, the USCIS, the immigration services, they send an inspector to, to a sponsoring employer's site to make sure that they're actually complying with the petition that they filed. Yep. So I would definitely tell Artie, listen, you know, let's say an officer shows up at the restaurant and you have no training program. Furio is not there. Furio can get put into removal proceedings. Yes, you can. you can f- face criminal and uh, civil penalties, mm-hmm. and then 
the mafia will be on your bad side. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, definitely, because Fiora probably will disappear. Tony will be not so happy, and uh, he'll come after Artie. And and uh, you know another thing is you know not only are there certain you know sorts of uh, certain things like fines and penalties that are immigration related that would be directed at the restaurant, but um, if the immigration service felt so, they could hand the case over to the Department of Justice, and they could determine that uh, the petition was filed fraudulently. And essentially, they could, you know, bust Artie for lying to the federal government. Um, and We're, so, yeah, I mean, that would be a significant crime. And so, you know, we'd have to warn him about all that stuff because I think right. probably, probably, as they say, smell a rat from the second we walked into uh, <laughs> to Vesuvio. Uh, we would have to counsel uh, Artie to, you know, be very careful about this, that if he mm -hmm. really if he's going to file for Furio. You know, Furio has to do the training program. What he does at night in his spare time or in the mornings, don't worry about it. But right. but but when he's in the restaurant, you need to have him doing a training program, and mm -hmm. or else you know you will not be filing an H three trainee visa for him. Yep, yeah, and he's got and he's got to follow all the rules that we talked about earlier, right? Not only does he have to come up with some sort of formal training program for him, but it's got to be. Uh, you know, something that's not available in Italy and I mean, restaurant training, right. It has to be, like you said, has to be something very specific and very unique to American restaurants, perhaps. Um, so yeah, it's gotta be something that's specific and it's gotta be something that, uh, you know, the, the idea is that he's training Furio to go work outside the United States to, to essentially to return home and bring these skills back home. Exactly. So, um, you know, it's obvious that, uh, in, in the show, Artie didn't come to you and I. He nope. probably went to a, a connection of Tony for the immigration. And mm -hmm. uh, apparently they did the visa because, you know, we see Furio making mozzarella in the kitchen uh, sure do. With, with smoking a cigarette and getting those ashes in the mozzarella. <laughs> yep. So, so you know, it's the, the most important thing to remember here, everybody out there, is number one, don't smoke a cigarette when you're making mozzarella. And number two, immigration is not just about the uh, person with the visa, it's also about the employer. It's also mm -hmm. about the company doing the sponsoring. It's just as important to talk to them as it is important to talk to Furio. Yep, absolutely. And as a matter of fact, yeah, if you can get a free if you can get a free meal out of it, even if you better. Can get a free all the better. But yeah, I was gonna just just jump in and say, you know, Shai, you and I, in doing our, you know, we we both uh, focus uh, primarily on employment based immigration, and you and I spend more time talking to the employer uh, than I do to the to the individual employees. I think. Definitely, you know, definitely. I spend I spend most of the time working with the employer on their you know overall programs as far as on a case by case basis. Yeah, that's the way it is. Um, so I think you know our, we would have a good consultation with Artie. We'd have full stomachs once we left his restaurant, and I think he would be advised properly. And that's mm -hmm. all we could do. It's all you could hope for. Yep. So, Rod, let's talk about our final takeaways from this amazing show. So first of all, Rod, well, where does this rank on your all time favorite shows? It's that's a tough one. I, I I can't say that Sopranos is my all-time favorite show. It definitely ranks. You know, I was in in watching a few episodes to sort yeah. of brush up, and you know, I haven't watched it since its original run, and I watched a few episodes to kind of you know get myself back in the in the swing of things, back in the mood for this. And I'm just struck by how how great it is. You know, uh, great the show. writing is really good. It really is a good show. There's a you know, there's a lot of thought that went into it. It's really deep. There's a you know, there's a lot of uh, a lot of meat there. So um, it, it, I can't say it's my favorite show. You know, something like I'm you know I'm gonna I'm gonna be uh, you know like everybody else. I mean, to me, The Wire is a, yes. a better show. Right. But but 
um, you know, you can Sopranos, understand the argument for the Sopranos being number I can, one. Yeah, I can understand. You know, to, to know that it's it's been ranked over and over again at the top oh, of all of these course. different lists. I, you know, I don't have an argument against it. It's when a good show. When you're dealing with such great shows, it's really hard, uh, and you can accept arguments <laughs> for one being better than the other. For me, it's it's Breaking Bad, it's The Wire, and then Sopranos and Mad Men are probably tied, but um, it it ranks just behind um, Breaking Bad and The Wire for me. So mm. I, I think we're on the same page. Um, yeah, I think so. Here's a good one, Rod, that that I yeah. think about a lot. And Tony and Carmela, they need to expand their uh, dining <laughs> options. All they do in the show is go to the same Italian restaurant. They eat Italian food at home. They go to Artie's restaurant, Vesuvio, every night. Seriously, can you please go to another restaurant and try <laughs> to eat something else? Anything. Well, to be to be fair to them, just to be fair to them, you know, Vesuvio was a mob establishment. Not sure. only was it a hangout where all the guys hung out, but I mean, he owned, they never paid a penny to eat there. I mean, they yeah. owned Artie. So you can understand why they go to get the free meal all the time, but I agree with you. I mean, this is, they cook Italian food at home. I love Italian food. But they cook That's Italian great. food at home. Great. Every meal is at the same restaurant. I can't eat at the same restaurant every day or every week or whatever. So yeah, it's a little, uh, I, I agree with you. There was one season where, yeah. there was one season where Carmela was obsessed with some sushi restaurant and they were going to a sushi restaurant all the time, but that kind of fizzled out and then they just went back to Vesuvio. So yeah, yeah, you know, come on, Carmela. Agreed, agreed. Yeah, Th- this is a this is this is important. Uh, I've got a really important question for you, Rod. Uh, sure. This is the second long-haired Italian that we have done in the past three months. A few <laughs> uh, a couple of months ago, we talked about Paolo from Friends. Sure did. Yeah. Today we're talking about Furio from The Sopranos, um, dark, tall, handsome, long-haired men. Mm. Uh, Rod, who had the better hair, Furio or Paolo? Oh, Jesus! <laughs> uh, I, you know, I um. If you want to defer to me, that's okay. Yeah, I. Uh, you know, I, I. I remember Furio pretty well from The Sopranos. <laughs> Paolo, my experience with Paolo was very, very limited. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll defer to you on this. I, I, I like the I like the definition of Paolo's hair. If you ask me, I liked I liked that it had some you know some uh, weight to it, whereas mm-hmm. Furio was a lot softer. Uh, yeah. You know, I, silky. Yeah, silky. Yeah. So yeah. I go with Paolo. You go and, with Paolo. And, yeah, okay. yeah. Right. And speaking of Paolo and Furio, do you yeah. think the actor who played Paolo, do you think he auditioned for Furio? And if so, why didn't he get it? Yeah, good question. Coming good off question. of Friends? Yeah. Good question. Yeah. Right? Maybe he didn't speak. No, he spoke English. I, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. You know, maybe he wasn't violent enough. To, yeah. Hard to say. Do you hard think? To say. Do you think Paolo and Furio would have been friends? Who who knows? I mean, you know, Furio lived ostensibly in New Jersey, right? Right. In the in in the the New York City suburbs. Yeah. So uh, it's possible. You know, we never really found out exactly what it was that Paolo did. We made an assumption for the purposes of right. our of our episode, but we didn't we didn't know. I mean, maybe we, maybe maybe Paolo was mobbed up. I mean, the the New York mob and the New Jersey crew and Tony's crew they were friendly. They they pass people back and forth and they, you know, they knew each other and they, they, they were, you know, they were colleagues sort of. Yeah. So who knows? They could, they very well could have been. They could have been rivals, I think. I mean, or they could have been rivals. Could have been rivals, right? At the very least, Paolo might've gotten some good mozzarella cheese out of it. (laughs) Oh, that's for sure. (laughs) That's for sure. And, uh, you know, one of the most controversial things ever about the Sopranos was the ending. Mm. So, uh, spoiler alert for everybody out there. Um, Tony and his family are in a diner. There's some stress. There's some tension. Somebody comes yep. into the diner. Tony turns his head. The screen goes to black. 
and we're left yep. to, to we're left to wonder what in the world happened yeah. so, and, well, and, the, and the, the bell rings right as somebody is entering or exiting the restaurant we don't know but the door oh, opens the restaurant right. door opens and tony and looks the, and tony looks and the tv go and that yeah the show so, just ends abruptly yeah rod what do we think happens at the end of the so, show or is it even important does it even matter so right that's so excellent question and to that point i remember when i first when i watched i watched it live when it aired east coast feed in new york city you know that was you know um sunday nights yeah i texted all my friends who lived in california and i was like i just saw the show and they were like don't say a word <laughs> i'm gonna watch it in three hours um but uh i actually i did not um i didn't care for it when i first saw it because right. it just because it just ended like the right. show was just over and i think i kind of wasn't ready for the series to be over and sure. that's why i was really frustrated by it the more i thought about it like i thought about it a lot over the next few days and and i realized like it was it's a perfect ending because that last like say 30 seconds of the show the music is slowly the the volume of don't stop believing by by journey is the volume is slowly increasing and you see Tony's eyes darting around. He's looking at everybody in the diner. He's watching people come in. He's watching people go out. And you realize whether or not he lives or it's better. It's it, it, the point of that ending to me is this is what is good. This is what his life is for the rest of his. I mean, this is what the rest of his life is going to be. He he'll never be in, at peace. Never. He'll live in fear. And and that that was it, to me. It just became such a powerful ending. I thought it was. Yeah, fantastic. I mean, I saw the the show after it originally aired, so I kind of knew ahead of time that it was a controversial ending. And my take on the ending is it doesn't matter. Um, yeah, I don't it, think it does either. It doesn't matter. Uh, so many shows are ended poorly, <clears throat> and we get you know an ending for a character we don't like. This is all left in the open, and I think that yeah. that's why it was so brilliant. So yeah, no, yeah, I it. I, it's yeah, fine. I, I love that we we don't know what happens. I don't need to know. Like there's yeah. that bell that rings. Yeah. Sure, that bell that rings. It could have been someone to come in to kill him. Right. It could have been his daughter coming in. Who knows? They were waiting for her. It could have been. It could be. And, and I agree it, with you 100. Doesn't matter. It doesn't. It doesn't, doesn't matter. matter. I I, it, I I love not knowing. It could be anything, and that's right. Right. Exactly. The perfect way to end that show. Well, well, unlike uh, The Sopranos, this podcast, this series is not coming to an end. We will be back. We <laughs> will be back. Um, we're not fading to black. Uh, there's a lot right. more. There's a lot more of us for you to to get. So if you have not done so already, you should subscribe to the podcast. You should give us a rating. And, um, you know, we're everywhere when it comes to the podcast universe. We're on all the major streaming platforms, and some of those platforms include places that Rod goes all the time to. Rod, what are those streaming all platforms? All the time. Places all like time. Apple, Apple, yeah. Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, Amazon, and etc. You could all of the podcast streaming services, all of them. everything. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we love so much when we get fan mail. It makes my day. It definitely mm -hmm. makes my day. So I, I love watching that little blue, that little blue number tick up. Yeah, uh, there's an email address, Rod, yep, where the, you, the the people can can contact us. Yes, you you can email us at astalavisa at gibney.com. That's h a s t a l a v i s a at g i b n e y dot com. Keep those emails coming. We will mm -hmm. we will try to get to them as quickly as we can. Yeah. Um. So next month is is December, uh, December is a holiday month so so rod we wanted to do something that was a little bit special for the holidays yep. didn't we yeah so, so we have a little fun next month it's going to be fun so what we're going to do is we're going to talk about perhaps uh in the holiday spirit the most well-known 
fictional character in the history of the world. Now, I always knew he was fictional, but some people up until the age of like nine and 10, they think that he's real and then they find out he's fictional. But Mm. the character that I'm referring to is somebody who has appeared in so many television shows, so many movies. His name, Santa Claus. Santa Claus. Santa Claus is from the North Pole. He's not American, but every year he crosses into U.S. territory. He Mm -hmm. sets foot on U.S. property, goes down people's chimneys and, um, you know, delivers presents. Guess what? You need a visa to do that. So so it's about time. (laughs) It's about time that somebody addressed the Santa Claus conundrum. And we're going to do that. It's time for somebody to take on Santa Claus. We're going to do it. Santa Claus, get ready because uh, Shy and Rod are coming for you. That's right. All those. All those, we're just going to explain the situation. All those lumps of coal, all, all those, those lumps, lumps of coal that he's been giving me. It's time to <laughs> it's time to get back at Santa Claus. There we go. All right. All right. I like so, it. Uh, yeah, Furio, The Sopranos. This was, um, you know, a, a show I was really looking forward to doing. We did it. Yeah. So done. there's only one one more thing to say, and that's until next time. Hasta la vista, baby. <laughs> <laughs>